0: worst things the absolute worst things that you and I can ever do when it comes to our self-esteem is to compare ourselves to other people but despite that we all still do it don't we so how can we be set free from this comparison syndrome hi I'm Bernie Diamond and thanks for joining me as today we take another look at your self-image from a different perspective Who was it during your teenage years that you compared yourself to? Most of us, we had a few people back then to whom we looked as the ideal image. First up, there was probably a peer. If you're a male, it was another boy. If you're a female, it was another girl. It was that one person that you wished you could be like them as good-looking, as as well-liked, as smart, as athletic. Whatever it is that you admired about them and the life that they had, it gnawed away at you on the inside that you weren't as blessed in that department as they were. If you're a girl, probably what you envied was that other girl's appearance. If you're a boy, probably what you envied was that other boy's popularity. The fact that everyone seemed to listen to him. He was the leader of the pack, and you were just, well, you. At another level, there was probably an adult that you wished and dreamed you would grow up to be like. Perhaps it was a movie star or a sporting star or someone famous that you dreamed that one day you'd be like them. I'm sure all that brings back some memories for you, a few things that you haven't thought about for a very, very long time. Or perhaps you're still thinking about them. Perhaps you're still comparing yourself with other people, wondering why it is you never quite seem to measure up to the ideal person that you see in them? Do you find yourself comparing your marriage to your best friend's marriage, thinking, why can't my wife or my husband be as passionately in love with me as, as they are? Or perhaps that other person at work who seems to be so articulate and well-liked. Whenever someone needs something, they always go to that person instead of coming to you. So why do we do that? What's the matter with us? that we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. Well, in part, it comes naturally, in a sense, and to some extent, some comparison isn't a bad thing. In fact, when you think about it, it's by comparing ourselves that we learn. We compare ourselves to our parents, and we learn from them. We pick up their good habits, and sometimes we pick up their bad habits too. And and when we are growing up, I mean, I had a mentor in the workplace for over 20 years, a man called Graham, a couple of decades older than me. And I saw how he operated and the results that he achieved by operating that way, and I modelled myself on him because I liked the results he was getting. Now, that's not a bad thing at all, but there's an unhealthy level of comparison that often goes on. When we just want to cherry-pick the good things that other people have in their lives as though they don't have any bad things in their lives, Of course, that's completely unrealistic, because when we cherry-pick the good things and ignore the bad things, what we're going to do is we're going to construct an ideal image that we aspire to, which is totally unrealistic, an image that we can never achieve. And that feeds our insecurity and robs us of our identity. When you think about it, those comparisons are about wanting to be what the other person is Or have what the other person has So destructive is this That the Ten Commandments include A commandment specifically About this very thing It's the last commandment, number ten Have a listen, Exodus chapter 20 Verse 17 You shall not covet your neighbor's house You shall not covet your neighbour's wife Or male or female slave Or ox or donkey Or anything that belongs to your neighbour Why? Because when we covet, when we want the thing that our neighbour has, it causes us to do one or two things. Either we do the wrong thing and we go and take it, which is what adultery is all about, that's what theft's all about, or we don't take it, but the desire eats away at us like a cancer and we tell ourselves that we're not complete without having it. We can't enjoy our lives without it unless we have that one thing that the next guy has. We can never live a life full and contented and happy. What a load of malarkey. There are some things that you and I will never have. Yet the desire of those things can end up ruining your life. Some people desire great wealth, but they can't attain it. That's why God says in his word, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, The love of money. Is the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from their faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Notice it's not money which is the root of all evil, it's the love of money, it's the desire of money, it's coveting wealth that becomes the root of all evil and ends up piercing us with many pains. It's true. We'll talk about that more another time. But there's an alternative, and here it is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's the key. Contentment. Have a look around and consider all the good things that God's already given you. Your health, your life, the air that you breathe, the roof over your head, the food you're eating, your family. Just do a stock take. Of all that you have, on oh, by the way, the gift of eternal life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, a completely new life through His resurrection. Come on, add up all the good things that you already have. It's amazing, isn't it? How blessed you are. Is it perfect? Is your family perfect? Are your circumstances perfect? No, of course they aren't. They were never meant to be perfect. But the richness of God's blessing is utterly mind-blowing. So here's the rub: be content. With what you have. Be content with who you are. Be content with your lot in life. Give God thanks for that. Keep blessing him and praising him and worshiping him and, and living for him. And all of a sudden, all those stupid, ridiculous things that you covered, all those crazy comparisons will simply go away. They'll pale into significance because all of a sudden you discover how rich you already are in Jesus Christ. Come on. What is it in your life that's eating away at your self-image? Is it really worth it? Or is it time to focus on the good things that God's already given you? And that's the key, you know. We, we, we just can't wave a magic wand and miraculously all of a sudden overcome our insecurities. It doesn't work that way. If we could, we would, but we can't, so we don't. They just don't seem to go away on their own, these insecurities, That's where thanksgiving comes in. The Bible is packed full of exhortations for us to be thankful and for good reason. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Psalm 107, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 50, verse 14. Offer God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. On and on, we're called to thank God for all the good things. And let me tell you, when when we do that, he changes us. He, He takes away that gnawing sense of inadequacy that comes from these silly comparisons and the terrible coveting and jealousy that he tells us not to have, and he replaces it with an overwhelming sense of joy, irrespective, let me say, of our circumstances, even when things are going against us. In fact, especially when things are going against us. Let me be blunt here. If you're desiring to have something you can't have, or to be someone you can't be, it's going to be ruining your life. It's giving you a distorted self-image, and God's command to you is clear. Stop it. Just don't do it anymore. Instead, praise God and give thanks and let him change you. And see, God's already made provision for your deliverance and healing from this terrible disease through the simple and utterly delightful habit of giving thanks to Him. The only question is, what exactly are you waiting for? Before we go, I'd just like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at powerfulprayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word as well. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you. And let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective.